0: Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Morning. All right, this is part two Uh, If you came last week, we started with part one, Uh, as we're looking at fooling around, we're talking about how, as a world, we are fooling around with God's plans for love, marriage, and sexuality. If you didn't get to see here uh, the service last week, or if you didn't get to watch it online, go back and catch it and watch it online, because they really do connect with each other, and I want you to see both part one and part two, so... um, If you got your Bibles, we're gonna be in Matthew 19. Uh, We're gonna be in Matthew chapter 19, and we're gonna start in verse one when we get there. Today, we're living in a situation where our culture is trying to dictate to us our morals and values. Now, this isn't new. It was common even in the time of Jesus. You had the Roman Empire. There was a very ungodly empire. Well, actually, I guess you could say just the opposite. It was very godly. They had gods of all names and shapes and sizes. They were polytheist. They had gods for different things. You could go over there. We went to Ephesus, and the city of Ephesus, they had a, a temple to different gods and goddesses, and in that culture, just to let you know how uh, sexually uh, perverse and permissive it was, they had temple prostitutes that part of their Worship of their gods and goddesses was to go in and participate with the temple prostitutes. Uh, They had homosexuality in that culture. They had divorce rampant in that culture. They had multiple wives, multiple situations. It was a very uh, ungodly culture. And so when Christ comes on the scene, he's coming first to a Jewish culture. Now, the Jewish culture had their, their parameters, they had teachings in the Old Testament that taught them about what God's desire was for love, marriage, and sexuality. But kind of like us today, they also tried to weave around that and tried to choose their own understanding of what God's desire would be in that. So as we're looking at launching out, I I, I looked at statistics and graphs and uh, then realized that, you know, in those statistics, and graphs, you can almost get them to say what you want. You ever, you ever taken a study and you felt like the questions they asked you were leading? And as I looked at different statistics from surveys, I was like, well, you could make that say this or you could make that say that. But there were some interesting statistics. In the Census uh, Bureau, they kept records for the last 100 years of divorces. And divorces in America stayed pretty, pretty flatlined until, um, until the 60s and 70s. And then as they began to keep record, it's very interesting that as they do, as people check the box, if you're considered Protestant, Protestant-Conservative, Protestant active-Conservative, the, the thought would be, if you are in this room today, most people in America would consider you Protestant, okay, uh, follower of Jesus Christ with that testimony. Well, you see, in the 50s, the divorce rate is consistent, the 60s, even consistent to 67, but look at the 70s. It doubles. Why did it double in the 70s? What happened? Well, we have what's called the sexual revolution. Uh, Go back, historians will say this is true, this is what happened. In 1960, they uh, uh, began to allow the birth control pill, which feminists celebrated as a chance for their liberation to to have sexual freedom without the quote-unquote burden of having children. Uh, And then in 1968, the Supreme Court ruled that pornography was a a right. It was a freedom of the press that we had, freedom of speech. And therefore, pornography was no longer illegal. And it got dispersed, and now is the number one use for the Internet, even today. And so all this began to take place. And the result, just within 10 years, was to double the divorce rate in America, now, as that continues to erode our culture of marriage and family and, and God's purpose for that, what are we going to do about it? What are our decisions? How are we going to live? Are we going to go with culture? Or are we going to go with God's Word? And man, it's, it's a very, very volatile subject today. Is that a fair way to say it? Uh, talking about someone's lifestyle and then looking at what God's word teaches and trying to figure that out. So let me, let me give you a little background to Matthew 19. Jesus is in the middle of his ministry. He has been healing people. He has been raising the dead. He has been feeding 5,000. He is like crushing it in so many ways that people are following him like crazy. The religious leaders of the day are upset Because Jesus has like thousands of people wanting to hear him teach on subject matters and they can't get people to even come to synagogue. And as he's teaching this, they're trying to find questions to divide his followers and to accuse him of things. One of the things they keep accusing him of is breaking the Sabbath day because he heals people on the Sabbath day. Another thing that he's gonna be accused of here that they're trying to accuse him of is either being too light on divorce or too firm on divorce. So, in the Jewish culture, they had so, these things called rabbi teachings, kind of like we have, like you you come here, you hear my teaching, you go to Life Church, you hear uh, Bobby Davis's ramblings, and you go to, uh, oh, oh, did I say that? Uh, Bobby and I like to give each other a hard time. Every time I see somebody from Life Church in town, they're like, oh, Bobby got you good today. So, if you see Bobby Davis in town, you tell them I called him ramblings instead of sermons. Uh, but but you may hear my my thread of teaching, Bobby's threads of teaching, Stephen Street thread of teaching, whatever that is, right? Well, in the same way there, the, the rabbis each had their thread of teaching. And some came out saying that you could even give your writing, your wife, a writing of divorcement, if she burnt the toast and you were dissatisfied. And others who came out said, no, you can only give divorce if there's adultery. So they're trying to get Jesus to speak into this in order to catch him and divide his followers. And that's where we pick up in Matthew chapter 19, verse 1. It says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Large crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scripture Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made the male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they're no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked? Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it's better not to marry Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. Some are born eunuchs. Some are made to be eunuchs by others. And some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite God to speak to us about this. Lord, I just come before you because, wow, this is what our culture is talking about constantly, sexuality, where are people at, gender fluidity, homosexuality, sex outside of marriage, multiple partners, polygamy, so many things, Lord, that our world is trying to find answers for. And God, I really believe you got the answer right here. But Lord, there's a lot of walls built up I pray that you break the walls down today. I pray that we would stop seeing ourselves as better than others or lesser than others. I pray that we would stop focusing on other people's sins and start focusing on our own. I pray that you would show us truth with mercy and grace. And I pray that at the end of this day, Lord, that we will really be in a place so much closer to you and with a better understanding of your plan. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, I, I wanna walk you through this, some things that I believe will help all of us with clarity and understanding and truth. The first thing that I pull out of this is that God's design of loving relationships is consistent, consistent. Where did, where did Jesus go when he wanted to give them an answer for their question on divorce. He went back to the word of God, to the very beginning, to God's perfect design. Genesis chapter two, God creates man and woman. Male and female, he created them to be married. And you wanna talk about commitment. Anybody know how long Adam and Eve were married? They were born married and they lived like 900 years. How about that for commitment in marriage right there, buddy? I tell you what, that's a commitment to marriage. Commitment, consistency. Jesus reaffirms. He says, God made the male and female. And he said, they're joined together and united into one. Since they're no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. That's what he goes back to in Genesis chapter 2 to remind them that the purpose of this marriage was for them to complete each other. Now, in this room today, we have folks that are single. Welcome. I hope that today will just encourage you to understand more of what God's plan is. I was single the first 25 years of my life, and I was so grateful for the word of God that taught me what to look for in a spouse and how I could be a spouse that would honor God. And so I hope this helps you today if you're single. If you're married today, Welcome. I hope and pray that that you'll learn some tools, some understanding of how to keep your focus on the Lord and your spouse and not have your eyes and your heart wander. Because the Word of God is a beautiful Word and it brings truth for all of us. Today in our culture, there's a push for us to say anything is okay sexually as long as it is consensual. Throwing out God's word of one man, one woman for life. I hear more and more people talk about having open marriages, swingers, talking about multiple partners, talking about life before marriage and choosing to stay single longer so they can test the fields a little bit more. When I proposed to my wife, One of my friends who is not a follower of Jesus asked me before we got married, he said, how is she in bed? I said, I don't know, Frank. I'm going to wait until we get married. He said, that's crazy. He said, you wouldn't buy a Buick without taking it for a test drive. I said, my wife's not a Buick. (laughs) She's a Cadillac, baby. (laughs) Sorry, babe, I didn't run that by you. Listen, If we we just have to first acknowledge that if we are going to follow the Word of God, it is going to be different than what the world says. And Jesus, in this teaching, is is shocking them so bad that even his disciples are like, well, it's better not to even get married than to follow that plan, Jesus. That's how shocking and countercultural the teaching of Jesus was in his very day. And so... Oftentimes, I hear people say, Well, Jesus didn't address homosexuality. He didn't say, Thou shalt not be homosexual. He didn't say, Thou shalt not have sex before marriage. He didn't say, Thou shalt not have orgies. He didn't say, Thou shalt not have sex with multiple partners. He just kind of referred back. But I say, He did. I say, as we read this, that his understanding of this marriage is is an understanding for each of us of what his idea and his vision of perfection is. You see, the example I would use is Jesus gave us the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? But he never said, don't cheat somebody when you sell a car, did he? Does that mean we can cheat somebody when we sell a car? He never said, don't cheat somebody when you sell a car. So when I sell a car, I'm free to do all the cheating I want because he never said, don't cheat somebody when you sell a car. Now, you listen to that argument, you go, you're silly, Steve. That would fall into doing to others as you'd have them doing to you. Exactly. Jesus gave very clear teaching, marriage and sexuality. One man, one woman for life, Period. Anything else out of that's wrong. Amen. Anything else out of that. And, and let me say, t- say this to you. I'm not here to throw stones. I have not always honored God in my life with my eyes and my actions. And what, I'm, what I think we all need to start with is there's, there's no one perfect. Only Christ walked this earth with a perfect walk. He's the only one. And we're all starting in some place. And I don't know what you grew up with. I don't know what the challenges you've had. I don't know if you're like me where you discovered your uncle's playboys at 12 years old. Still struggle to get those images out of your mind. I don't know if you grew up in a, in a family that was totally permissive and made statements like, hey, have sex, just use protection. I don't know if you grew up in a culture where you were celebrated by the number of sexual victories you had amongst your peers. I don't know if you grew up in a situation where you felt like you had to prove yourself physically in order to be somebody. Here's what I know in this room, there's a whole lot of hurt. There's been a whole lot of lies. There's been a whole lot of deceit that has destroyed and torn apart the American family, the Christian family, and that the answer is we've got to go back to what Jesus went back to, God's beautiful plan. That's where we get the answer. God's plan is consistent; it's never changed. One man, one woman, for life. Second thing I want you to see is that God's design of loving relationships is unselfish. What do He say here? He said, the two become one. Now, you can't take an animal today, cut them in half, and both ends live, can you? If you're in your marriage and you're trying to win the argument, you're killing your relationship. In a marriage, you have to fight for your spouse's desires even more than your own. You have to die to yourself. And if you're not ready for that, then don't get married because it's a life of unselfishness. And if you're not ready for that, please don't have children because, whew, they got questions 24-7, amen? Right? They got needs. And in that picture of unselfishness in marriage and family, God is continuing to try to make us more like him. Because in his unselfish love, he gave his one and only son that we could be forgiven from the sins that we have committed. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, question I get all the time is, well, what if I was born that way? What if I was born that way? I used this question when I was 16 years old. I got born again at 16. 16. And I remember going to my youth pastor saying, Bruce, my sexual desires are so strong. What do I do? I was born this way. I want to act out on them. I would guess pretty much any young man, at least, maybe almost every young woman, would have similar desires as they go through puberty and all those juices are flowing in your mind, right? I remember going to him, I was like, bro, I, I, I get this Christian thing, but this is a little bit extreme. You want me to wait till I get married? And what Bruce did was he pointed me back to the word of God. If I want God's best plan, it's one man, one woman for life, waiting until I say I do. And then he took me to Matthew as well. Or Jesus said, if you even look upon a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart already. Wow, you know what that meant? That meant in that moment, I was an adulterer already. Why is that standard so high? You wanna know why? Because God wants you to have the very best relationship in the world. He wants you to have trust so deep so strong that nothing can pry you apart from your spouse. And he created a perfect design, one man, one woman for life, keeping your eyes and your heart connected just to one person. Move forward a little bit as I began to minister to people from all walks of life, that question became true of others who were wrestling with homosexuality. And they would say, Steve, I feel like I was born this way. I was born with these desires. How is it that I'm not free to live out those desires I have? To which I'll have to reply in the same way. I get it. I was born with sexual desires that I am called to bring before the throne of God and say, God, in order to honor you, I'm going to do it your way, your time. One man, one woman for life. Now we're dealing with transgender. People coming saying, I was born in the wrong body. I'm a man, but I should have been born a woman. Those are my desires. I want to transition. And I can't tell you what you're born with. I can't tell you how you're wired. I, I know that we all wrestle with sin. But what I can tell you is what Jesus told us when it comes to marriage, sexuality, and relationships. One man, one woman for life. That's, that's the beautiful plan he's given us. That's the plan he, he's taught us. That's the plan he's, he's shown us works. Are there temptations? Yes. Will you be tempted? Yes. Yes. Have there been times in my life, even as a married man, that I battled with my eyes and lust of the eyes? Yes. Will there be times in your life that you'll be tempted at work with some special person that shows you a lot of tension? Ladies, you watch all those Hallmark movies? Those guys never had body odor. That's just wrong. They always have the swoopy hair, right? Oh, you got that swoopy head and they just rush in at the right time and rescue and sweep you off your feet. And men aren't like that, are we guys? <laughs> Thankfully, my wife picks my clothes out. I picked something else out last night. She's like, uh oh, no, don't wear that. <laughs> right? And men, we look at pictures of these beautiful models, and they've all been airbrushed and adjusted for our visual desires. Try to say that right, okay. And it's, it's a fallacy. They're not trying to hold down a 40-week job and help pay the bills in your house. They're not trying to raise your kids in the way of the Lord. They show up and get their picture taken, and then people have five people work on their hair. If, they, if your wife spent that much money on her hair, your hairdo, you'd be mad as a hornet. Am I right? It is a lie that the devil is selling us on. It's a lie. Jesus came to give truth. He came to give a beautiful perspective. Came to give us what God designed that is perfect. And so I I would just say to you, whatever you were born with, it doesn't matter. It's not the right question. The question is what honors God? What did Jesus teach? What did God design? And if he really is the God of the universe with all wisdom and knowledge, then we need to walk out what his plan is, which is one man, one woman for life. Now, I believe we've all wrestled with temptation. We've probably all got some wins and losses, But here's what we need to know. God's perfect plan gives us fulfillment that the world can only desire. And if we'll seek to walk in his ways, if you're single, can I please implore you, keep your life honoring to the Lord. Keep your hearts pure before God. Seek to be the man or woman of God that lives differently than everybody else around you and seeks to honor God in the way that you live and the way that you love. If you're married and you've made that decision, I don't know what brokenness you've gone through in your marriage, but I want to challenge you, don't give up. As a church, we help you fight for your marriages. We have re ministry, which is a 15-week tune-up for, for marriages. We have pre, premarital training that we offer. Why is it you could go, you have to study and go take a test and a driving test to get your driver's license, but you can just show up at the courthouse and say you want to get married, and all of a sudden you're supposed to know how to be a husband or wife. You ever thought of that? Marriage is a whole lot harder than driving. And we offer premarital counselors for free because we want to see people on the right path. We want to set you up for a win. And then there's Christian counseling. If you're struggling and you're like, man, we don't know where to go, let us connect you with the Christian counseling for your marriage. Let me put it this way. If your car is broken down and you don't know how to fix it, what do you do? Leave it on the side of the road and go, oh no, whoops, whoops or do you get it to a professional and get it fixed, right? So if your marriage is broken, go to a professional and get it fixed. Focus on doing what needs to be done to have a healthy, godly marriage as a testimony to all those that are around you. So marriage is unselfish. It is. It's a battle. But it is so worth it. My wife and I are 28 years in to our marriage. We've been to marriage counseling three times to professionals. Why is that? Well, because I'm broke. I'm broke, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus every day, and sometimes my selfishness gets in the way and I've gotta seek counseling. I gotta have somebody else speak truth because I am not listening to my wife. And I'm just gonna say this, guys, gals, if there's a broken element to your marriage, do you want to just finish with a good marriage or an okay marriage or just get to the end of the line and say, well, at least we didn't get divorced? Or do you want to have a great marriage that you look forward to coming home to your spouse, that you look forward to going on vacation with, that you look forward to the rest of your life? That's what I want. And I can look anybody in the eye and say, I've got that right now, but it's not without hard work unselfishness, and decisions every day where she and I both choose God's best instead of our best. And in doing so, we get his best. Well, the third thing, God's love is a covenant love. We looked last, last week at how the world's love is a convenient love. You know, the old song, you can't be with the one you love, then love the one you're with. Right? It's not a new concept. It's been around forever. I want a convenient love. I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it, with who I want. And if my spouse didn't give me what I want, I'm gonna go find it somewhere else. God's love is a covenant love till death do us part. Now, let me say this again. Just like I said with the sexual immorality, I'm not here to throw stones. Some of you have had spouses leave you. Some of you have, in your past, made poor decisions and given up on a marriage before you should have. Some of you have been divorced two, three, four, five, six, seven times. God offers healing in all areas if we will turn to Him and turn away from our own sin. And He wants everybody in here to find healing and forgiveness. And grace. But we've got to realize this is a covenant love. Now, let's go back to this passage. Look at this verse 9 and 10 here again. This is Jesus speaking. Let's go back all the way to 8. Let's go to 8. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. Here's what Jesus did. He took divorce off the table. You see, in the Jewish culture, they had set it up. It was a male-dominated religion. It was a male-dominated society. It was a male-dominated government, okay, okay? It was male-dominated economy, and so men had the power. And they had set it up in their, in their Jewish culture that if I get tired of my wife, then all I have to do is write a, write a letter that says, I hereby, Steve Taboo, divorce my wife for burning my toast. I hand it to her. I don't have to give her anything that's not hers. I can walk away with everything I want and go marry somebody else and be in good standing in the synagogue and so these religious leaders would have done that if their wife didn't produce children well let's get another one if their wife wasn't making them happy and nagging at them let's get another one and all they had to do according to some of the rabbis was just write a letter and they're done immediately there's no there's no court to protect the women to make sure that they're getting part of of all the years they invested, there's no court deciding which one gets the kids. You write, and as the man, you had the power to get what you want when you wanted it, and how you wanted it. And so the, these uh, Pharisees are trying to get Jesus to pick a side, hoping to divide either, the, the men would all go, oh, that's too hard, or the women go, oh, he's too soft on the men. And Jesus takes it to a whole nother level. I mean, this, this level he takes it to freaks his disciples out so bad, they're like, it's better to not even marry Jesus. Because what he says is, the only reason for divorce is adultery. And if you give your spouse a writing of divorce, and it's not for adultery, and then you remarry, you're committing adultery. Now, why was that a big deal? Because there's another story, if you remember of a woman caught in the act of adultery, and they were ready to stone her to death. And the Pharisees were very willing to stone people to death that were caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus is calling them out and saying, you've committed adultery, you've committed adultery, you've committed adultery, you've committed adultery. adultery." And that's why the disciples are, they're like, if there's no option for divorce in a bad marriage, who can even get married? And what does Jesus say? Oh, don't worry, it's not a big deal. Just do your best. No. No, it's not what he said, is it? He finishes up even stronger in that passage. And he says to him, uh, He says, Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said, only those whom God helps. He basically says, Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. It's work. To have a godly marriage is work. And you need God's help in your marriage. And I'll just tell you, I need God's help in my marriage. You need God's help in your marriage. But God's plan from the beginning is one man, one woman for life. Well, the last thing, the fourth thing, is God's love glorifies and honors God. His love glorifies and honors Him. When we live in a way that exemplifies His love, it's a testimony to the world. Is it not a testimony to the world when you see somebody who's been married 50, 60 years? Am I right? And they still like holding hands on the front porch, and you come over, and you visit them, and and they're all like, "Oh, honey, can I get you some tea? Oh, would you like a blanket for? Is it cold?" And you're just like, "Oh, they're so cute." Right? Am I right? That's because they lived out God's plan. But I bet if you ask them, they would say it wasn't always easy. I bet if you'd ask them, they'd say, "Sometimes I wanted to quit." My wife and I have been very transparent with people we counsel and we would both say there are plenty of times that we wanted divorce. Cuz it was so hard that in my flesh, I wanted to give up. And in her flesh, sometimes she wanted to give up. But we had a covenant together. That covenant was before God. We said, we are not giving up. We joke and we say, we never said the word divorce, but murder was on the table. (laughs) Because sometimes it was that hard. But we stayed the course. We didn't give up, and I'm so glad we didn't give up. Will there be more hard seasons ahead? Possibly. Probably, because I'm still in the marriage. (laughs) But I believe together we can have the greatest understanding of God's love between two human beings on this earth. And his love glorifies and honors him. His standard honors him. Now, just want to encourage you to go the distance. Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 gives us one more insight on how to get this victory. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 18 to 20 says, Flee from sexual immorality. Matter of fact, say that out loud with me flee from sexual immorality. If you just implement those four words, Man, that'll save a lot of marriages in this room. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Therefore, I challenge you to reject pornography to honor God. I challenge you to reject sex before marriage to honor God. I challenge you to reject adultery in your marriage to honor God. I challenge you to reject homosexuality to honor God. I challenge you to reject divorce to honor God. All these things are decisions we have to make to battle the flesh. And it's a battle. In this room, I'm guessing everybody goes through temptation. Maybe it's every day, maybe it's every week, maybe there's somebody, a co-worker right now that's tempting you. Maybe there's a social media page that you know you're always just two clicks away from a beautiful photograph of a woman or a man that will please you. Maybe it's just in your mind what you battle with. But at the end of the day, God calls us to take all that, lay it down and confess it and walk away. Listen, maybe, maybe you've been divorced and maybe you did it wrong then. Maybe you've had an affair and you did it wrong then. Maybe you've been sexually active as a single person and you've done it wrong. Join the club. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now let's leave that club And let's join the club to honor God with our bodies in all that we say and do. Let us seek to live with the help of God, a life that is God-honoring, that is unselfish love, that is honoring of our spouse, that is honoring of our king, so that we can set a new example for our, our community, an example of committed love and relationship between one man and one woman for life. I believe it's possible. I believe God's in it. And I believe if we've messed up, we confess up, and we can move on to a beautiful thing that God has for us. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Now, I've asked the Lord to take away my sexual temptation. I wish beyond measure that that was never a temptation for me again. But it's never happened, and I don't know of anybody that it has happened for. Because part of that same gift that he gave us to drive us to our spouse is also that drive that if we're not focused on our spouse and on God, leads us to begin to wander and what we see, and who we see. So I want to challenge you today, if you're wandering, if your eyes are wandering to repent today, to ask God for forgiveness, whether it's been looking at pornography, whether it's been a sexual relationship outside of marriage, whether it's been homosexuality, whether it's leaving a spouse, I want to challenge you to turn to God, ask forgiveness, receive that forgiveness and begin to walk it out before him. I'm gonna pray with you today. I'm not, I'm not doing a come forward invitation today. Uh, last week it was, seemed kind of obvious after I did that the first service that didn't work. This is such a, it's such a um, personal issue but we want you to seek Wisdom from the people of God, if you need that, then there's a card. There's a card in your seat. There's a card in the seat in front of you, a river card. Now, first of all, if this is your first time here and you think you might come back after today, (laughs) then uh, fill that card out and let us know you're here. We'd love to talk to you and invite you back. Um, If you're here today, maybe, maybe there's some ministries you want to find out more about. Uh, you can check those boxes, but if you'd like someone to, to meet with you and pray with you, we've got a ministry for people battling pornography. We have ministries to help with broken marriages. We have ministries that help with people who've been uh, abused and so many things. We, we, we want to help, okay? So the way you can do that today, you can fill that card out, and uh, along the back walls are, are boxes, when you leave, you can drop that card in the box and someone will confidentially call you up and ask how we can help, okay? We want to help you in this. We wanna, man, I hope everybody today walks away with a clear understanding of what God's word teaches and a clear understanding of, of the challenge before us to live it out. And I'm gonna pray with you. Now, as I pray, I'm, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray just that God would wash us clean of all our sins, Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, whatever it is that that runs in your head. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us more than we deserve. Thank you, Lord, that you made a way for us. Lord, when we mess up, that we can fess up. Thank you, Lord, we don't have to carry the sins of our past. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive us And, Lord, that you give us hope. Lord, you are the God that gives us strength to get victory. God, I want to pray for everybody in this room, everybody that's watching online. Lord, I want to ask in Jesus' name that you give them clarity in this moment. Lord, some of them are in adulterous relationships right now. I pray that you give them clarity of steps for victory. Some of them are, are, are considering divorce. Lord, I pray that you give them clarity for victory. Some of them, Lord, are struggling with sexual temptation. They're, pre, they're not yet married, God, and they're, they're struggling with this sexual desire you gave them. I pray, Lord, that you give them strength and hope. And if they want to get married, that you give them a great spouse. And if you've called them to be single, Lord, that they would do as your word says here and that they would choose that to your glory and to your honor. Lord, I pray for all these sins, that have been committed against us or that we have committed. And we pray that the blood of Christ would wash all of them away and that in this moment, God, you would hear our repentance and that from this point forward, we would celebrate your provision and we would rejoice in your grace and the fact that you say if we confess that sin, your faith will just forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whew, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. We pray all these things in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one person who is able to walk the earth in purity and holiness in all areas. We pray that in his name. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. If you would like more information about the church and what God is doing here through the river, you can visit therivercc.com, or you can download our app in the app or Google Play Store. Again, we just want to say thank you for listening, and we hope as you go throughout your week that you are able to love God, love people, and impact the world.